This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. So good to see all of you. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online. Glad you can be with us this evening. We're going to have a great time in the Word uh, this evening. So we're going to have uh, we're going to have fun. Hallelujah. So anyway, great to see all of you. Get this uh, new year started off right. Amen. And uh, I tell you what, I believe that God's got great things in store for us. Such expectation within my heart as far as what it is that God wants to do in all of our lives. How many of you know God wants to do something in your life? Yeah. Amen. You know, I mean, most of us that are here this evening, obviously, have uh, experienced the, the blessing of salvation and been born of the Spirit of God, perhaps even filled with the Holy Ghost and a lot of other things. But you know what? God's not through with us yet. Amen. He's got exceedingly abundantly above all that we can even ask or think, according to the power of God that works within us. So let's say everybody say it together. The best, the best. is yet to come. I'm going to have you say that one more time because you did not convince me. All right. The best best. is yet to come. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. You know, whether you realize it or not, that little thing between your nose and your chin really does set the course for your life. Actually, it's in there. But, you know, uh, it's like uh, James said. He said, your tongue is like a rudder. And it sets the course wherever the governor listeth is. That's what the King James says. So, you know, if we talk doubt and unbelief, we talk about how many problems we got, if that's all we got to say about things, then usually that's all that we ever experience. But, you know, thank God we can change that course. I said we can change that course by the things that we believe and the things that we say. Hallelujah. So thank God we're going to get after that uh, in these uh, uh, midweek services that I have the privilege of being able to communicate with you. We're going to talk about the quest for faith, and uh, you could talk, you could, you could entitle it what faith is, how it works, all of those different kinds of things. We're going to talk about hindrances to faith and why we have problems sometimes in, in various areas and things of this nature. But it is essentially uh, one of the most important subjects for the child of God to get his heart and his mind and uh, his, his arms wrapped around because faith will change your world. Hallelujah. Change mine. And I know for many of you, you've been changed as well. And like I said earlier, thank God he's not done with us yet. There's so many great things that are in store for us. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Amen. You say, well, haven't you uh, haven't been listening to the news? Well, no. As a matter of fact, I kind of shut that off. Hallelujah. Because there's nothing good about it. Thanks for your excitement. Yeah, I, I, you know, help me here. But the reality is, is that there are things that he has said. There are things that he is doing. I want to be a part of that. I want my, my focus and I want my energies and I want my attention to be on what Jesus is doing. And he's doing things. You know, I mean, God is moving and a lot of folk don't even have a clue. They don't even know. And so I want to be a part of what it is that God is doing in the earth. I know you do too, or you would not be here. Hallelujah. You'd be, you know, I don't know, smoking pot or something. I don't know what you'd be doing, but you wouldn't be here. And so the reality is, is that we're here because of something that he has placed within our hearts. There is a a, a yearning. There is a, a, a thirst, a hunger uh, for more of him. Glory to God. And we're just going to do our best to just get right in there. Praise God and, and uh, get after it. Amen. So if you brought a Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to open them with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. This is going to be our text as we get started in this subject. And uh, like I said, every Wednesday night that I have the privilege of being able to communicate through the month of January, um, We'll be discussing this subject because uh, it's important. Hallelujah. One thing I might mention before we get into this uh, lesson that I want to share with you this evening. If any of you know the Petty family, uh, Doug and Teresa, along with their son, or not Doug, John and Teresa, and their son, Doug, please lift them up. They lost their 14-year-old daughter this week uh, to... uh, uh, well, it started out as strep, and it, it moved off into a whole bunch of other things. And they actually have another son, uh, Jonathan, that's uh, fighting. Uh, he ended up with it as well. So if you would please uh, bear that family up uh, uh, in your prayers, we would greatly appreciate that. Hallelujah. We just need God to come and visit them and bring peace and comfort to their 
their uh, troubled hearts, uh, you know, because of everything that's gone on in their lives here of late. So anyway, if you would, please, that would be a, a real blessing to us. Hallelujah. Notice with me, if you would, here in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Well, did we pray yet? Oh, let's do that. Praise the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Heavenly Father, is, uh, we have the privilege tonight to sit, as it were, at your feet and to behold wonderful things from your holy word. And Father God, I thank you that you, uh, I ask you, Father, to give us the heart of a listener, that we're listening to what it is that you're saying to us through the word of God. And I just thank you, Father, that when we uh, place our hearts in a position, Father, to receive from you, that you will, in fact, speak to us, that you'll minister to us, that revelation knowledge will flow within our lives, that peace and joy and the comfort of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, will keep us and sustain us, and not only that, but lead us in the way that we should go. And so we thank you for your blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Notice with me Hebrews 11 to verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm reading from the King James Bible. Verse 2 says, For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. It is through faith that we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And then he uses two different examples of Enoch and Abel, who by faith, in verse 4, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice in Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaks. And by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must first of all believe that he is or that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. Praise God. So these verses of Scripture uh, tell us a great deal, which we'll endeavor to unpack here a little bit. But, you know, understanding, as I mentioned earlier, understanding faith and having the God kind of faith is an essential for us to enjoy life and life more abundant. How many of you know God wants you to be at peace? Huh? Sure he does. You know, but there's all kinds of worry, care, anxiety in the world. It's around us every place. But thank God it does not have to be something that controls, dominates, or really has any part within our life if we learn to listen to what the Bible has to say about our lives and our relationship with Him. Faith in God changes the way we live. I mentioned this earlier, but it changed my life. It changed my wife. And for so many of you, it did the same thing. Faith in God, and I'm talking about Bible faith, is the, uh, is, is the only way someone can have a genuine relationship with God. So you cannot have a relationship with God without faith. All right? You know, a lot of folk, you know, well, the, the book of uh, Proverbs says a fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Well, obviously, if he makes a statement or she makes a statement, there is no God, they have no faith. And with no faith, you can't have a relationship with God. We just read that verse of Scripture, verse 6, he that cometh to God must believe that he is or exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So the way in which we please God, the way in which we have a relationship with God is through this thing called faith. Now, <laughs> the world has set out to give us a lot of different definitions about what faith is. And uh, unfortunately, about 95% of it is not necessarily very scriptural. And so that leaves us at an impasse when it comes to understanding this. But when it comes to defining what faith is or even how it works, the ideas are many and the greater percentage of them are not even scriptural. In other words, some people have the mistaken idea that you can pray for faith. Well, I'm just praying that I'll have more faith. 
Well, that's not really what the Bible says at all. You know, sometimes people talking about the subject of faith will say, well, really what you need to do is you need to fast. You know, fasting, that'll help you. And yet that, again, is not what the Bible makes, uh, tells us in the way in which, or <laughs> this is a better one, you know, so, sometimes we want to rely, rely on somebody else's faith. You know, in other words, you, you pray for me, you know, that this or that or the whatever, you know, will change or happen or whatever. The case. And thank God for the prayer of agreement because the Bible does talk about it. But yet right on the other hand, how many of you know, you and I all have something to do with having faith in God or faith toward God. And so again, I'm not, I'm not slamming the idea of getting somebody to agree with us or to pray with us about something. But, but here's what you need to understand. You can have faith. You can have great faith. You can have strong faith. You can have whatever it is that you want where your life is concerned if you'll just trust him. So the truth is, is that a believer can have strong faith. Everybody say, I can do that. Yeah, you can sure enough do that. Glory to God. Here's something Jesus said to his disciples. He said to them, he said, uh, for truly I say to you, that if you have faith, now listen to this. Listen to what he says. This is Jesus' words. He makes a statement. He says, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed. Now, if you know Bill and Mary uh, sit here on the second row, you know, uh, she'll always hand out these little cards, you know, and says, Jesus loves you or whatever. And she's got a little mustard seed that she has laminated in between whatever. How many of you got one of them from her? Okay, and and... I don't know, you know, I mean, it wouldn't hardly be um, maybe any bigger than the head of a needle. I mean, it's so very, very small. So Jesus said to his disciples, listen to it. He said, truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, that's not very big, right? You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, now listen to this, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, you know, when I make that statement to you, now, I didn't say it, he did, first of all, but I think a lot of times when we hear that and we kind of, you know, compare it with what's going on in our lives and our faith accidents or mistakes or the whatever to what it is that he said, it's like they're so far removed but what I want you to do, if you would with me, please, is just take the, uh, the chalkboard of your life and get a big old eraser out, and I just want you to clean that whole baby off, and let's start all over again, and let's think about again what Jesus said. If you've got faith like a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be removed, and it'll, it'll go, and nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing will be impossible for you. Now, bear in mind with me, if you would please, in the context of this, you know, when it comes to having faith, I can have faith for myself based upon what it is that God has said or what is written, what has been promised, you know, but when it comes to another individual and what it is that happens in their life, how many of you know they have to have faith? You know, well, I just want you to pray, you know, and, and I want you to believe that God will do this or that or for me. But again, you have to realize that we're talking about your faith. And we all have faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and 3 that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith or a measure. And that measure can grow. How many of you want your faith to grow? Hallelujah. So that we with confidence can live in this earthborn existence with a thing called faith in God and see the mountains of adversity and the mountains of challenge and the mountains of trouble and the mountains of whatever be removed. And he went on then again to say that he said, nothing will be impossible for you. That's pretty exciting stuff. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we can have strong faith. You can have strong faith. The Bible says, for example, with Abraham, you know, in, in Romans chapter 4, it said that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was what? Strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now notice this, and being what? Fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Now maybe you're not there. 
But you know, there's no indictment against you because you don't, you know, maybe measure up to the faith that is described here in the life of Abraham. But thank God we can work on it. I said, we can get better, can't we? So notice again in that scripture that we just got in reading there of Romans chapter 4 and 20, it says that he, Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God. Again, I appeal to you, just like we read when he said, if you have faith like the seed, uh, a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible to you. Well, when I make that statement, how many of you know we can do a little staggering? Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. But yet the Bible says Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, Uh, but was strong in what? Faith. And it goes on to say, when you have strong faith, you give glory to God. And then it goes on to describe it by saying that he was fully persuaded. So that's where we want to get, right? We want to find out what promises God has made, what's written in the Word of God, and we want to get to a place of full persuasion. Hallelujah. I think about the three Hebrew children, you know, with the fiery furnace and the, and the, uh, the idol that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had made. And when he said, if, listen, if you just bow down, man, everything be cool. And they, they just said, there's no, no reason for us to have to answer this at all. We're not bowing down to your image. And and they said, you know, our God will deliver us. Now, you know, that's a pretty strong statement when you're standing in front of this adversity that they were standing in front of because the king was about to take their life by throwing them in a furnace if they didn't do what he said. And they said, not a problem, king. Our God will deliver us. Now, listen to this. This is what's really cool. And they said, even if he doesn't, We're not going to bow down and worship this thing that you've made. That's powerful. And you don't make those kinds of statements unless you're fully persuaded. So we have to reach the place of full persuasion so that we can have the kind of faith that Abraham had when he staggered not at the promise of God uh, through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Notice again with me in verse 6 of the, our text, it says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. Okay, it goes on to say again that he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So you have to have faith in order to have a genuine relationship with God. And I know all of you do. I mean, to some degree or, you know, at some level or whatever. But, but, but again, think about that. In order to have faith, or I'm sorry, you have to have faith in order to have a relationship with God. Now, secondly, if that's the case, then it ought to be our greatest quest. It should be your pursuit and mine to, to increase our faith in God. Or we could say increase our relationship with him. Huh? So that, you know, because there's so many things, so many lies that are said and made about God and who he is or isn't, whatever. And the reason being that they're lies is because they're not consistent with what the Bible declares of our God as far as his nature, his character, the redemption that he has provided for us in Christ Jesus, all of those different kinds of things. You know, when you make the statement, I mean, around here, we can all get, you know, uh, into agreement quite easily to say that God is a good God. Okay, we don't have any problem with that. But you know, there are a whole lot of folk out there, they don't know that God is a good God. They think that he's some kind of an austere judge and he just kind of do, does whatever it is he wants to do whenever he does it and that he could care less about them and you know, all these different kinds of things. But yet when you see the acts of God, how that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, it, it goes against the grain of everything that the world ever says. I'm telling you what, God cares about you. You know, sometimes you might be in a mess right now and you're saying, God, where are you in the midst of this? And I would say, he's right there. But faith is what makes the difference. Because when you say, God, where are you? Guess what? There's no faith in that. But when you say, God, I know that you're with me, that you're for me, that you're in me, hallelujah, and that you're on my side. There is a difference, you know. Huh? 
And of course, you know the circumstances of life. They crowd into our lives. They make their, you know, their threats, different things. And we're going to look at some things here in a little bit as we go down. But thank God we can pursue, make it a priority, and cause this quest of developing a relationship with God in a stronger kind of way. So here's the question. Where do we get faith? Where do we get Bible faith? I mean, is it a feeling? Oh, man, I went to church, and I mean, the music was woo-wee, you know, and I'm telling you, I came out of there, and I'm thinking, I'm just, you know, going to whoop the world. And then you went home and had a bite to eat and a nap, and all of a sudden, all that left. So is faith a feeling? Is it an emotion? You know, because... Is it because we go to church? Well, you know, I just, I just need to go to church. Well, faith can come from going to church, but I mean, the act is not what causes faith to come if I'm, you know, communicating that in the right context. Is it from prayer? I think we already decided that faith doesn't come from prayer, but the Bible teaches that you should pray. Okay, but let's not confuse what prayer does in our lives versus how it is that we get faith. Is it bestowed upon us because somebody prayed for us? You know, they laid hands on me, man. I mean, the power of God, you know, and all that. And, the, you know, we get all weird and whatever. But then you leave. And the guy that laid his hands on you, he's gone or she's gone or whatever. And thank God, again, for, you know, the prayer of faith. Thank God for laying hands on people, you know, to, so that the blessing of God could come upon them. But you understand my point. We really need to find out where in the world does faith really come from so that we can have it. How many of you want it? So we got we to gotta figure out where it comes from. And that leads us to the scripture in Romans chapter 10, if you want to read there in your Bibles. Romans, the 10th chapter, and verse 17, we're going to find out where faith comes from. And I'm sure most of you probably already have this answer, but we're going to drill down on this, baby. I'm telling you what, when I get done with you, through with you, you're going to understand it. Hallelujah. So what does it say there? Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so then faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, one of the goals, my first goal for this year is uh, I wrote it down on, on a piece of paper uh, down in my office. And my, my number one goal this year is to listen to him. But mainly listen. Because a lot of times we're not listening. Are you listening to me? Huh? <laughs> We, we don't. We're not, we're not listening. You know, when, when we read that scripture, he said, if you've got faith like a grain of mustard seed, nothing will be impossible to you. Well, we need to, we need to listen to that because a lot of times we'll just pass it off and they'll go, well, yeah, whatever. That's probably for somebody else, not me. No, he said that to his disciples. The context of it was they're trying to cast the devil out of somebody and couldn't get him out and said, why couldn't we do that? And he said, because of your unbelief. And that's when he said, if you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, and he said, nothing shall be impossible to you. So I am committed to listening to what my heavenly father has to say on a different level. Praise God. That's why I say, you know, take, take, take the, the eraser and get after the chalkboard of your life and let's start all over again and let's give some consideration to these things where our life is concerned. Can you say amen? So again, he said, so then faith cometh. This is, this is the only place that faith comes from. You know, again, people may have the mistaken idea, well, I'm just gonna pray for more faith. Well, you're gonna, you're gonna be wasting your time. Now, the Bible says, you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, but praying in the Holy Ghost doesn't give you more faith. It builds you up on the faith that you have. You understand that difference? Okay? So what it does is it empowers the believer on the basis of what faith that they have. Faith has one source and one only, and that is by hearing the word of God. Now, you know, a lot of folk, they come to church and they hear the preacher preach, but they don't hear him. With me? They're not listening. They're just kind of there. You know, I've done my duty, and man, I'm telling you what, praise God, when you come walk through them doors, you want to get down, and you want to get real serious about what it is that's being said, and you want to listen real close and real good, 
so that you can get it down on the inside of you. I'll give you two illustrations to that. The first illustration, well, they're both in the same context, but when I was getting my, uh, I got my private pri private pilot's license, and and that's, you know, not 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 a big deal. I mean, you know, it, it takes a little work, and within 10 hours of being in the cockpit, you're basically flying around by yourself. You know, what happens is, is, you know, they're teaching you what, how, this and that and the other, and what you need to do, and some, you know, one day they're out there and you haven't been in the cockpit for very long, and they say, yeah, just pull her over right here. And uh, so you pull the plane over and they go, and the guy says, um, go ahead, take her around the patch once. And, and you're immediately thinking, uh, by myself? Yeah, by yourself, hot rod. You know, and so, you know, now all of a sudden there's nobody there to tell you what it is that you should or shouldn't be doing or maybe grab the yoke because you screwed up. But I tell you what, you'll get real serious about what you're supposed to be doing and what you learned in those 10 hours. Okay. So I get my private license, you know, and all the license, when you get a private pilot license, all that is is a license to learn. And you've heard the story about my wife. I got my license. I'm stoked, man. Come on. Let's go flying. And she says, well, honey, you know, I, I, I really do love you, you know, but, but, but I like my pilots a little more seasoned. <laughs> and I said, okay, great. So I did a little buzzing around, you know, until she decided to jump off the cliff with me and she went flying with me. Okay, so now I'm going to get my instrument rating, which is a whole nother level. But yet right on the other hand, if you're going to be a pilot and you're going to do much flight at all, you need it. Matter of fact... Uh, Josh's dad and another guy who's cardiologist made me promise that I would get my instrument rating after I got done with my private. And so I set out to do that. And I got an instructor and we're going through the deal. And he says, what we're going to do is we're going to get the written test taken care of first. And then we'll go out and do the fly and you can get your check ride and boom, you're there and so on and so forth. Well, so <clears throat> I start with the written stuff, a little book work, you know, kind of looking through things and, and, um, you know, not really putting my all into it. Maybe, no, I wasn't, you know. So I said, yep, I think I'm, I'm you know, I'm ready. He says, well, come on down. Let's, we'll, we'll just sit down. We'll just talk about it, go over. So he gets a map out and he goes, uh, what's, what's this right here? I go, mm, I don't know, you know. He says, well, okay, uh, then, then what, about, what about this right over here? What's this mean? I said, mm, I don't know. There's all this stuff, you know. And so he just looked me in the eye. He says, Mike, he says, listen, if you're going to get this pilot's license, you need to know what the heck's going on, you know. And that's true. You don't want somebody up there that doesn't know what they're doing. Are you listening to me? And so my, my, my point to using this illustration is to simply say, a lot of people say they want to have faith, they want to have a relationship with God. They want this. They want that. But, but their efforts are weak. And they're really not um, committed. And, and that was the other thing, you know, when I got to doing the flying, you know, I thought, well, you know, I'll go down there once a week and we'll fly around. He'll tell me something, whatever the case might be, and I'll be good, you know. Well, that wasn't true either. He said, you know, if you're going to get this license, you got to make sure that you're here two to three times, maybe four times a week, you know. In other words, you got to do a deep dive. It's intense, you know. It, it's, it's knowing what it is that you're doing so that it becomes second nature to you. Well, thank God I can say that I did that, and that was great. Well, then we graduated from one aircraft to another aircraft, and this one had different avionics in it, you know, different things for the GPS, you know, in order to navigate with, and uh, the autopilot and all these different kinds of things, and, you know, so I thought, well, you know, I probably ought to just kind of, you know, bone up on this a little bit and see, so I read the manual and, you know, this and that and the other, and, and get out in the middle of it all, and you're doing all this stuff, and all of a sudden, you don't know what the heck you're doing. So... You say, are you still that way? No. <laughs> but my point to this is just simply what, you know, when Jesus said, I came so that you could have life and life more abundant, he meant every word of it. But he wants you all in in order to get you to that place. <clears throat> Does that make sense to you? 
because that's simply the way it works. You know, <clears throat> there's a, excuse me, there are a lot of illustrations in the Bible that make it very apparent that if you're going to be a follower of his, you have to be all in. You have to be committed. And I'm not talking about, oh, God, what a duty, what a drudgery. I mean, you know, the pastor is telling us we're just going to have to. Listen, if you love him, you will have no time or no problem spending time with him. Okay? He says, who is it that loves me? He that keeps my commandments. Oh, I really love God. I really love God. You know, you hear it all the time, but the reality is, is if you're not practicing what he said, then I submit to you tonight, you don't really love him. Okay? Doesn't mean that you're not glad you're saved. It doesn't mean you're not glad you're going to heaven. Doesn't mean any of those things. But I'm saying that <clears throat> it's so important for us not to allow ourselves to, for lack of a better way of saying it, make excuses. You know, and I know this is kind of, you know, tight, but it's right. You know, we all want better for ourselves. We all want, you know, things to go in the right direction, things like that. But, but you have to be all in, you know. Um, and, and really that, that principle is true in anything that, that we might talk about. You know, and so it's important for us to understand these things and not only that, but walk or walk in the light of it. So faith comes how? By hearing hearing. and hearing what? The word of God, the word of God. You know, a lot of times, you guys, we spend 50 to 70 hours a week listening to God only knows what, whether it's on the TV, the radio or whatever the case might be. And then, you know, all the folk come to church on a Sunday morning and I list them, uh, Pastor Brian, for 40 minutes and they're going to have great faith. No, no. I mean, thank God for the contribution that he makes where our lives are concerned or, you know, as far as that goes. But, dude, you got to become, you have to become a student of the Bible. We're lifelong learners. And, and, And that never ends. Are you still glad you came? So the avenue upon which we derive faith is believing what is written. Believing what is written. That's the, that's the street, if you want to call it that, or the, the path that, that, that you and I come to have or cause our faith to grow is to believe what is written. Now let's turn to John chapter 20, John's Gospel, the 20th chapter. I got to hustle. John chapter 20. And here's an example of a person who unfortunately, even though he'd been with Jesus for three and a half years, and Jesus had told him what was going to happen, and not only that, but his own, the people closest to him. Can I have a uh, drink of that there cherry pop? It's mine. Oh, good. Hallelujah. She goes, I don't know who it is. It's mine. Nothing like drinking something carbonated when you're speaking. This could be interesting. So, so here we have this story. Here's a guy who walked with him for, yeah, roll that down here. That walked with him for three and a half years and his own, I mean the people closest to him said, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the master. And he said, uh, I've seen him too. He was on a cross and they killed him. And that right there is a little bit too much for me to believe what you're saying. Even though Jesus told them that he would rise again, didn't he? But they didn't get it. And the reason they didn't get it is because, again, of unbelief. But notice John 20, and let's start with verse 24. But Thomas, one of the 12, there's only 10 guys, you know, well, I should say, Well, there's 11 because Judas had taken his life. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came or when he appeared to them. So only 10 of them seen him. Verse 25, the other disciples said to him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails 
and put my finger into the print of those nails and thrust my hand into his side, what's, what's those next words? I will not believe. Well, if I could just see Jesus, you know, if Jesus would just appear to me, you know, well, you know, that might be all wonderful and good, but I'm telling you this much about it, even if you've seen him, it wouldn't help you. Huh? Matter of fact, if that ever does happen to you, you better get ready for something difficult in your future. Because usually whenever he visits somebody, uh, you know, things are going to get rough. But anyway, he said, I won't believe, verse 26. Well, then eight days later, the disciples were within and Thomas was with them. And then Jesus, then came Jesus, the door being shut, and he stood in the midst of them and he said, peace be unto you. And then he said to Thomas, reach hither your finger and behold my hands and reach hither your hand and thrust it into my side and be not, what's the word? Yeah, faithless, unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those that have not seen and yet have believed. Let let me ask you a question. How do you and I not see and yet believe? We have to believe what is written. Okay? So it goes on then to say, uh, many other signs he did in the presence of all. Now notice what John says in the last verse. But these are, what is it? Written. That you might, what? Belief. Please understand this. Please get this. Please get past anything else that you may be thinking. And listen, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So you and, you and I understand that it has to be on the, the believing has to be on the basis of it is written. But if we don't know what is written, or we don't have the proper context of what's written, or somebody has told us that that really isn't true, and you know, that was for another time, and you know, whatever, whatever, and we explain it away, well then we're missing out on what it is that God wants us to know. Again, he said, he that comes to God must believe that he is. Without faith, it's not possible to please him. And all of us are here tonight because we want to please him, right? We have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now, um, let's, let's talk about this in a little bit different context. He said, or I should say, John said, these things are written that you might believe. Now, here's a, I'm just going to have you maybe jot these verses down. Uh, Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 12. God said, then you shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me, when you search for me with just a portion of your hearts. Huh? With all of your heart. He said, when you seek me, you'll find me. Isn't that right? Jesus said the same thing. Ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Well, I'm a seeker, but you know, God ain't showing up. Well, listen, the problem's not with God. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Amen. Glory to God. You know, like I said, if you want to pass a test and get your, your uh, <coughs> instrument rating, you got to be all in, man. You got to do whatever it takes in order to get to where it is. That you, and, and you see this in the scriptures. You see people all the time. The woman with the issue of blood, she said, if I can touch but the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Baby, she was all in. And the Bible says she came in the press behind. She wasn't even supposed to be in public, and yet she's making her way, and she's doing every, whatever it takes to get to the place where she can touch them of his garment. And dear friends, she got saved. 
Jairus was a religious ruler, and they had already said, anybody that, that aligns himself with Jesus, we're going to kick you out, and you're never going to have any status or anything whatsoever. But he, being a, you know, part of the Pharisees, he came, and, and I mean right in public. See, you don't care when you got a need. You don't care what people think. You're not concerned about that at all. All you're interested in is getting to the master. And he, he, he came, got down on his knees and said, he begged him. He said, my daughter's about to die. If you'll come, you can heal her. And he said, I'll come. He started coming. So my point to that is, is that, you know, again, you call it desperation if you want to. But I'm telling you what, praise God, you got to get hungry, you know. And if you get hungry, then he said, I'll show up. When you seek, with, uh, seek me with all your heart. The Bible says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him uh, <clears throat> while he is near. Seek ye the Lord. He said, you'll go, you'll seek me, you'll find me. Now, here's a question I have for you guys. If I am to seek him, how many of you would agree we're to seek him? The ones that diligently seek him. So, so we all agree that we're supposed to seek him. So, Here's the question. Where do I find him? Where do I find him? I mean, you know. I mean, you know, is it something like, okay, well, if you go to that special church, then by golly, I'm telling you what, God will be there. Well, he may be there. Hallelujah. But I, what I'm trying to uh, maybe bring out into bold relief here is, is that, you know, if you ask the question, if I'm to seek him, where do I find him? You find him in the book. You find where it is written. Wherever your need is, it's in here that you find the answers. Does that make sense to you? You know, and when we do that, then praise God, we're heading in the right. Like this, for example, Joshua, well, Moses dies. Joshua's going to be the leader. And God comes and visits him. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now I want you to step into his shoes, which are a rather large pair. And I want you to be very courageous. And, and um, uh, don't be afraid and all these other things that he described to him. And then in the <clears throat> eighth verse of that first chapter, he said, this book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth but thou shalt meditate everybody say meditate. meditate meditate in it day and night so you know I understand that we have lives and jobs and things and whatever and this and that and the other but but I think that the impression here is is that there is to be a constancy where his word and our lives intersect a lot Okay, and that's especially true. You know, I'll give you another example of that. When my son was building his house, uh, <clears throat> he needed to get his yard in the 1st of September, and he was a long ways from making it happen. So who does he commandeer? <laughs> and so, you know, he's got retaining walls to put in. He's got siding to put on. He's got to paint it. Uh, what else did we have to do? God only, we had, we had all kinds of, we had a uh, hundred yards of concrete to pour, you know, and I mean all this stuff, and was it six or eight weeks? Eight. Eight weeks. So August, July, first of July, this is when we start. So what do we do? I just, I kind of made this little outline. I said, well, if you want to get there before September, because I am the grass whisperer, and that's when you plant grass. Now, unfortunately, it hadn't rained for like ever, but that's when you plant grass because you're not fighting weed seed. There are a lot of different things. It doesn't make any difference, but that was our goal. So we're working 12, 14, I don't know, lots of hours every day. And this is free. It's pretty nice, isn't it? You never saw me after that. Yeah, that's because I had to go home and recoup. But for, for weeks, every day for weeks, that's all we did. And, you know, we did this, we did the next thing, we did the other thing, you know. And we had a bunch of grading, you know, and landscape. I mean, things that had to be done, this and that and the other. Well, come the 1st of September, 
uh, maybe the first week in September or whatever, 7th, 8th, whatever, put the seed in the ground. Then it didn't rain for I don't know how long, but it finally started raining. And where was I going with this? Huh? Every day. Every day. So this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night. Why? So that you can observe to do according. Now listen to all that is written therein. See, when the Bible tells you to walk in love, it's not a suggestion. Matter of fact, it's a commandment. You say, I don't feel like walking in love. Well, then forget the blessing of God in your life. Okay? But if you want God's best, then when somebody acts or behaves or says something ugly, then you're just going to pass the opportunity up to react in a way that would be detrimental to you. That's, that's, that's doing according to all that is written therein. And he then said, then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you're going to have good success. How many of you want good success? So all we got to do is start believing what is written. And not only that, but practicing it where our lives are concerned. You know, the Bible says not to let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but rather that which is good to the use of edifying. Any of you ever been tempted to say something that's kind of negative? Huh? Sure, we all have. We all have opinions, don't we? Sure, we, let me give you a piece of my mind. Well, I don't really want to take any more of your mind. You better save everything you got. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, but what I'm trying to tell you is, is that these are the things that make for success in our lives when we're doing the will of God. Are you listening to me? So, and then the Bible says, blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his or her delight. Everybody say delight. Yeah, their delight is in the law of the Lord and in it do they meditate day and night and they're going to be like a tree that's planted by a river of water and their leaf, you know, they'll bring forth fruit in their season. Their leaf will not wither and whatever they do are going to what? You're going to prosper. Well, it's all contingent on what you and I do with the word of God. Where we spend time, you say, yeah, but you know, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to work very much and so I just don't do it. Listen, stop listening to your flesh and start listening to your heart and start feeding it on the word of God. I don't know what Josh's habit, but he's got cows and he's got, you know, when they give birth to calves, you know, then they do all these different kinds of things to them and whatever. And I'm sure at some point, what well, you don't, you don't really do feeder cattle. But anyway, you know, when, let's say he sells his calves to somebody and they're going to put them in a feedlot. Dude, I'm telling you what, they're pouring it to them. Why? Because they want them to grow. Why? Because at the end, whatever it is, you know, they're, they're, pound, you know, cost or price per pound is going to make a difference in their checkbook. So baby, they're all in. They're after it. Well, the same thing has to be true with you and I. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. How? Richly, abundantly. And, and, and of course, that's going to, it's going to break out where our lives are concerned. So if we'll feed on the word of God, hallelujah. Woo. I just get blessed. If we'll just feed on the word of God, Faith will come. It'll come. And the potential of it. Listen to this. Uh, I got I to gotta give you this, this thing right here because it's, it's powerful. David. Remember David? Young David. The sheep herder, backside, out in the middle of nowhere, taking care of his dad's sheep. But you know what? He loves God and he loves his word. So we read in the scriptures he said in verse uh, chapter Psalm 40, verse eight, I delight to do your will, oh my God, and your law is within my heart. So this guy had made God's word a priority, had he not? You say, yeah, but if I was, you know, taking care of sheep and I didn't have anything else going on, I'd do the same thing. Well, you know, you can argue it any way you want. This, this kid made it his determined purpose to feed on the word of God and make it his delight. Another scripture says, praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. And then another scripture says this, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. He said, your testimonies also are my delight and my 
counselors. In Psalm 119.92, unless your law had been my delight, listen to this, unless your law had been my delight, unless the word had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. But the word of the living God kept him, didn't it? And he experienced affliction. He, ex- he experienced all kinds of trouble. I mean, there were all kinds of things, you know. You say, well, he, he must not have been in the will of God. He was smack dab in the middle of the will of God, but devil was trying to keep him out of the will of God. Can you say amen? So when you got a, 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 a test, a trial, or, or, or there's trouble or whatever, you know, you just say, thank you, Lord Jesus. This is another opportunity for you to show yourself strong in my behalf because we're going over, glory to God. Can you say amen? <clears throat> Trouble and anguish have overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delights. The righteousness of your testimony, testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I will live. And I didn't use all the scriptures where the Bible talks about he makes it his light. Now, with all that in mind, real quick, can you listen fast? 1 Samuel chapter 17, let's look at David. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Come on now. I know I can, I can feel you going, oh man, I'm, I'm reaching my threshold here, man. I mean, you know, I'm up full. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put it in, baby. Come on. Stay with me. Now, turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let me, let me do a little hispor, uh, historical perspective and give you a little context here. You remember when Israel was brought out of Egypt by the hand of God? There was not one ounce of faith on the part of these people whatsoever. God did it with his mighty hand. He showed himself strong 10 different times where they were concerned. And he made Moses a deliverer for them. And, you know, all the time they're murmuring, they're complaining, they're griping about this and that and the other. You know, I would to God you just left us back there. You know, at least we'd have whatever. You know, they're just, what a funk. But yet God said and promised that he would deliver them, so he did it in spite of them. Well, as they're on their way, they get to Kadesh Barria. They, they send out the spies. They come back. They said, you know, land's everything. God said it is, but we can't do it. And, you know, Caleb and Josh said, hey, let's go up at once. We're well able. And the other ones made the heart of the people melt. Why? Because of their unbelief. Listen, I'm telling you, man, you want to be around people that have faith. Are you listening to me? <clears throat> so, so, so God said, I'm just going to judge you out of your mouth. Yep, you're going to die in the wilderness just like you said. And they did, the whole generation. Now, you know, thank God the next generation got wise, Aren't you glad for that? They said, wait a minute now. I don't want the same outcome. We're going to believe God. If he says jump, we're going to say on the way up, how high? Are you with me? And so they came around and God said, okay, this is the way it's going to go down. Josh is the leader now and they're going in, you know, and they're going to walk around this city once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, they're going seven times and they're never going to say a word And he said, at the appropriate time, on the seventh time, I want everybody to shout. My wife and I were there in Israel. And you know, the walls didn't fall down. They literally went down into the, they were pushed into the ground. And Israel came in and besieged the city. And that was the end of it. I'm telling you, when when God's in this thing, man, it's cool. Are you with me? So the next generation believed and obeyed. And the result was victory. Now, here we are in Second uh, or First Samuel chapter seventeen, and and you remember now we're 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 down the road a ways here generationally, because Israel said you know we've looked at Egypt and we've looked at some of these other nations and they all have a king and we want a king, and God says you really don't want a king because if you do I'll be your king, and if you let some man become your king they'll make slaves out of your kids. They said no nope, we want to be like them. So Samuel is the prophet and Saul is the one who is anointed to be king. And so Samuel anoints Saul to be king. And in the beginning, Saul was little in his own eyes 
and he was humble, but as he became king, sure enough, you know, his heart changed, and pretty soon he stopped seeking God, stopped obeying God, stopped doing the things of God, you know, went, went to the witch of Endor to try to get some, you know, some guidance and different things of that nature. In other words, he just totally black, backslid and he was a mess. And not only that, he was ticked off at Samuel. So those two, you know, are separated and Samuel's not having anything to do with him because he figures he'd kill him. And especially when God said, by the way, Samuel, I want you to go to this, you know, guy by the name of Jesse. He's got eight sons and I'm going to anoint one of his kids to be king in Saul's stead. And he goes, I ain't going. He says, I go out there and Saul finds out, he'll kill me. So God told him what he needed to do and how he could do it. And sure enough, David, this little kid, the eighth one, the last one, the one out there in the weeds. He said, we ain't doing nothing until I see him. And when he showed up, God said, he's the man, anoint him. So he anointed him, okay? Now he's anointed, but he's still the sheep herder, okay? And so when, when, when they go to battle with the Philistines, you know, and Saul is backslid now, and I'm, I'm giving you some context here. In other words, we're not walking with God, dude. We're, we're out here on our own. And so <clears throat> this little kid is supposed to go show up, take some provisions for his sons and see how they're doing. And so he does just that. And he ends up getting thrown right in the middle of this mess. Now, with that in mind, look at 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 4. That's 16. No wonder it doesn't read right. Okay. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits, cubits in a span. So we know he was at least nine feet tall. He had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels. I don't know how much that was, but it was heavy. And he uh, had these grease of br uh, brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. The staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood, and he cried to the armies of Israel and said to them, why are you come out to set yourself in battle or in array? Am not I a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose you from a man and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will uh, we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you'll be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And Saul and all of Israel heard those words of the Philistine, and they were what? They were what? They were dismayed. They were discouraged and greatly afraid. Have you ever gotten a bad report before? Sure. And, you know, your, your life felt threatened. And, and this is exactly what happened to them. You got to be careful about who and what you listen to. Are you listening to me? And so, of course, you know, uh, the, the whole imagery of all of that and what they had seen and who was saying it. The devil does this all the time to people. You know, you're never going to make it. You'll never amount to anything. You're never going to change. You know, all these different. They're lies. All of them are lies from hell. And so here they are in the middle of this thing. And nobody wants to go to battle with him because they think, you know. And, and here's the thing, you know, again, Saul, you get in a place outside the will of God, stop listening to God, backslide, you know, and out there in the weeds someplace, you know, and, and uh, you, got no, you got no counsel, you got no strength, you got no nothing. You're on your own. And so this ends up happening. Now, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the response that Israel had to this word from Goliath is because they were away from God. They weren't in the word. They weren't following the word. They weren't doing the things that God had told them to do. Now, <clears throat> listen to this. Turn to Deuteronomy. Stay with me just a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 20 and look at this. Now, this is something that God had told them about a, a circumstance exactly what we're talking about, but they're away from God. They forgot this verse. Notice chapter 20, verse 1. 
When you go out to battle against your enemies and you see horses and you see chariots and a people more than you, be not afraid of them for the Lord your God is with you which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be that when you are come nigh unto the battle that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people. Thank God for the preacher. And shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, you approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not and do not tremble. Neither be uh, terrified because of them. Listen, for the Lord your God is he that goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to save you. Wow. Well, they weren't there. They weren't in that place, and so they were in no man's land. You understand that? Okay? So here's the thing about it. When you're spiritually qualified, and what do I mean by that? We're feeding on the Word. We have a relationship with God. We're drawing nigh unto Him. He's drawing nigh unto us. We're walking in the light of the Word. We're confessing what the Bible says about us, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and greater is He that's in us than he that's in the world. And we're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are <clears throat> become new. I mean, when we're, we're there then we're in a different mode. When the enemy comes, when hell shows up, we got something to deal with, amen? Something to deal with him with. But if we're away from God and we haven't, I don't know if I believe so much about all of that, you know, and I mean, maybe that works for somebody, but I'm not. See, the thing about it is, spiritual qualification always trumps military might. You know, you see what's going on in Israel right now? I'm telling you what, they are no match for the enemies that surround them. And yet God is keeping them and preserving them because he said he would. Are you listening to me? So it's important for us. God gives us the victory on the basis of faith. And then finally, I want to conclude here in this verse. I'm doing really good. Hebrews chapter 1. Real fast. Hebrews chapter 1. And we'll close with this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Notice what it says in verse 1, chapter 1. God, who at various or different times and in diverse manners, spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophet. He has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory... And the expressed image of his person. Now listen to this real close because we're closing with this. And upholding all things, how? By the word of his power. You guys, God upholds everything by the word of his power. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. And that power it can be in your mouth. You say what he says. I mean, I'm going over, not under. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. Glory to God, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Hallelujah. And I tell you what, if you'll get that down on the inside of you, God himself will take up for you. And Jesus will show up in your life to bring about a change. And that's what faith does. And so it's believing what's written and what God said that makes the difference. So when we get in the book, let the book get in us. It brings about transformational change. All things are possible to him that what? How many believers do I have here tonight? Okay, it's uh, 8-12, and I know you're out of gas. Glory to God. But I'm telling you, this stuff works. We're going to talk more about it. We're going to talk about the difference between faith and hope because that confuses people a lot of times. And then, what you know, basically what happens is we think we're in faith and we're really just hoping. So how do we make that distinction? What do we do about that? And it's going to be great. Don't miss a Wednesday night. It's going to be fun. You all ready? Okay, stand with me if you would, please. Praise God. I have preached myself happy. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Let's pray together. Hallelujah. Praise God. Just lift one hand up toward heaven and just thank God for faith tonight. 
Thank God for the faith that he's given you. Glory to God, Father. I thank you tonight for the faith of God that has been deposited within the hearts of these, your children. Glory to God. They all have faith. It's growing. It's developing. It's becoming stronger, greater. Hallelujah. And it's because of your written word that we believe that causes our lives to be changed. Hallelujah. So, Father, I just want to thank you tonight. Let this be a, a, a springboard as we move into this new year, Father God, to look into these things carefully, employ them within our lives, listen to what it is that you're saying so that, Father God, we can enjoy all that heaven has to offer. Glory to God. We thank you for your blessing tonight, Lord. Guide us in our giving tonight. We thank you, Father, that as we sow, we'll reap. And so we thank you that as we do so, Father, your blessing will rest on it. You'll multiply the seed that's sown so that we have bread for food and seed to sow and everything, Father, that we need in the way of our personal lives will be met. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, you can be seated. We're going to go ahead and receive our evening offering.